Hello and welcome to the Atari Zoo podcast. My name is Mark Wiltshire and each episode I will be taking you behind the scenes at Atari Zoo and Snow Panda Resort in Finland. You can find out more at atarizoo.fi. These episodes were recorded on location at Atari Zoo, so you will hear a variety of background noises as we visit different animals around the zoo and talk to members of the team at Atari Zoo and Snow Panda Resort. So let's head over to my conversation with this week's guest. So today I'm joined by Anna Palmruth. She's the head panda keeper here at Atari Zoo. Uh, Anna, thanks for joining us. Thank you. First question, how did you get such a great job as head panda keeper? <laughs> well, it was a little bit by accident that uh, my sister saw the ad from this job and she told me that I should go and, and try to get it. And first I thought that it, it's a bit too far and uh, I don't know anything about pandas. but. <laughs> Then I thought that, well, in Finland, I don't think that anyone knows quite much about them yet. So then I just decided that I'll, I'll apply for the job, and, and here we are. So um, were you working as a, a vet, or were you working in a zoo already? Uh, I used to work as a dolphin trainer in Finland, in Sakhaniemi. <laughs> okay, wow. So, That's an incredible uh, change of direction. Yeah, <laughs> that's true, that's true. But there's quite quite... A lot of same same things in both of these jobs, so I think that was a, an advantage for me to to apply for this job because I had an experience from big wild animals and animal training, and I also worked as um, as a nurse in a vet clinic, so I have experience also for taking care of the sick animals and helping the veterinarians. Yeah, so it's all it's all built up quite nicely towards now being yeah. head panda head panda keeper. It's such an exciting exciting job title. <laughs> yes, it uh, is. Maybe you can tell a little bit about how Finland came to have these giant pandas from China. Yes, uh, always when giant pandas are sent outside of China, it's uh, by the decision of the presidents. So the president of Finland and the president of China made a, uh, this, um, how do you say, a deal or a contract about mm. the, about hand, handling over to giant pandas to Finland. So after that, the zoos in Finland started to work with the government to decide which zoo is going to get the pandas and which environment would be best for the pandas here in Finland. So then once Atari won the contract, they were the one that was chosen to house these pandas then the work had to start to, to build this place and it's a, obviously a custom built and designed panda house. Yes. Maybe you can talk a little bit about the actual building itself here. Yeah, it's actually a really expensive project. It's a little bit over 8 million euros. So they really put a lot of effort to it so that we would have everything we need for the pandas so that they would have the right kind of environment that they would stay healthy and they would have enough enrichment and etc. So for example in their indoor enclosures we have a steam system which keeps the moisture right for the pandas inside the enclosure. Then we have a big area for the customers when they come and see the pandas they have enough space and they have a lot of glass on the wall so that anywhere they go inside the panda house they get to see the pandas. Also the outdoor enclosures are one of the biggest outside of China that has in zoos for the pandas so 
we really put an effort to it so that they have enough space. There's, there's a little bit of banging in the background and there's nothing we can do about that because that is Puru, the panda, who is eating his bamboo and banging something against the wall. So he wants to be part of this. Yeah. He doesn't seem to have too much to say for himself, <laughs> but he's taking part anyway. Yeah, I think uh, he's used to it that I speak for him, so he gets, okay. to, <laughs> he gets to enjoy his lunch. Yeah, that's, that's true, and he is in really enjoying his yeah, lunch. Yeah, so he doesn't have to perform, it's enough for his eating, so people get to see. I, well, I just went to the other enclosure. So let, let's describe this, first of all. So this, we're in, the, in kind of the viewing gallery yeah. uh, in, this, in this panda house. Like you said, there's a lot of glass around around the two enclosures. Yes. And at the moment, the pandas are in two separate enclosures within the same uh, building. building. Yes, yes. Uh, pandas are separate because when they, um, when they grow up and when they leave their mother, they will find their own territory. So they are not living in groups when they have reached the age about um, two to three years old they start living on their own and especially the males are quite strict about their own territory okay. so it's it's the same in, in a lot of bears a different kind of bears they always usually live alone when they grow up and inside these two enclosures it's it's kind of landscaped like a rocky mountainous kind of environment yes because pandas in the wild in china they live up in the mountains so pandas do not live in rainforests or, or that kind of environment. They live up in the mountains where there's also a, a lot of rocks and bamboo trees and forests growing. And they have um, actually a lot of snow in the winter up in the mountains. So being in Finland is not a strange environment for pandas to live? No, it's actually quite a natural environment for them. The climate is quite good. Uh, pandas in the wild, they... If there, there comes too much snow or the temperature gets too low for the bamboo to grow, they go, they go a little bit lower on the mountainside. And during the summertime, they climb up. When it gets too hot, they go higher. When yeah. it gets too cold, they come down. Yes. Okay, in, interesting. Yes. They, and outside, you said it's the, one of the larger kind of panda enclosures in a, in a zoo yeah. around the world. And it's similar kind of environment isn't it it's it's a slope it's mountainous okay they've got some nice wooden um cl like climb. climbing climbing frames that yes. you'd see in a, in a children's park yes. out there but there's quite a bit to, yes. to keep them entertained yes uh, pandas need a lot of climbing trees and stuff like that to for the enrichment because in the wild pandas love to climb up in the trees is that for food or for fun uh, it's uh, it's for fun because the food is found lower because okay. the bamboos are um, about two meters long or three meters so the, the species that pandas love to eat but the panda babies also climb up in the uh, up in the trees when they learn to walk they learn to climb and they sleep in the trees and they wait for their mother up at the tree because they're safe there. Yeah, okay. So pandas love to sleep a little bit higher always. So that's why we need to make sure that they have enough places where they can go sleeping so that they don't have to sleep on the floor or on the ground. We've mentioned Puru twice, but in the other enclosure is Lumi. Yes. So Puru is the male and yes. Lumi is the female and she's sleeping. Yes, um, Lumi is... Um, her Chinese name is Jimbabao, which means kind of a golden baby or 
a sweet girl or sweet baby, uh, if we translate it. And she really is like her name. <laughs> She's really sweet and kind and quite shy and loves to sleep and loves to play with her toys and really girly girl. Yeah. <laughs> but then we have Buru Huabao and her, his Chinese name is uh, Chinese Leopard, which is actually also quite close because he's, um, he's really uh, like a big man and a big male and he loves to climb and he also destroys a lot of trees and uh, <laughs> <laughs> as well as the bamboo that he's destroying for lunch he's yes. actually quite destructive yes and he loves to eat he, he's waiting for the food all the time <laughs> so they've got really distinctive personalities how, really? they, how they behave yes really different kind of individuals and uh, Puro has a little bit of puberty right now so he's already waiting for Lumi's company because they get to see each other outside so they can see each other but they're not they can't get to each other no they cannot touch each other but they get to see and smell each other and communicate so he's often found outside waiting for Lumi and looking up to her enclosure that's really (laughs) sweet yeah but um, Lumi is not quite ready yet okay so we'll have to wait for a year or two so she doesn't quite understand yet what Buru wants. So <laughs> we have this kind of setup where the other one wants and knows, but the but the girl is not that interested yet. <laughs> and you've got your panda baby hospital downstairs already. Yes, yes, uh, it's a part of the contract with the Chinese Conservation Center that we have everything ready, what we need before the pandas arrive to a new zoo so that if something happens and when the babies come we have everything ready for them. Wow, that would be exciting. I can see also there's running water yes. in the, in the, for, for drinking or just to uh, mimic the, local, the, the, the native environment? Yeah, it's just for mimicking and, and um, the pandas also love, like to drink from it but they also have the drinking uh, cups there but it's mostly because up in the mountains they have a lot of small streams yes. yeah. and pandas use it for marking their territory. They use the running water because if they're up or higher in the mountains they mark their territory on the water and on the small streams. So between this stream and this stream is mine? Yeah, and when the scent goes down with the water the oh. other pandas lower up on the mountain know that who's living upstairs. <laughs> okay, Inter- yeah. interesting. And they really? use it also, also during the mating season to tell each other that who's here and who's ready and where's the female. Panda mating season is not the most effective uh, part of the natural world, is it? No, it's only approximately two days long. About really? 40, yeah, about 48 hours. Wow. Once okay. a year. <laughs> so you, 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 when, when Lumi's ready, you guys have to be really precise in, yes. in getting the two of them together. Yes. Of course, we are trying to make sure that we know a little bit before so we are um, testing the urine samples from the female so that we could be sure about the hormone levels because they are starting to change and um, behavior is changing also a little bit with the pandas when the mating season is about to begin. So is it that the female is, is like ovulating just once a year in this, in this period where... where yes. Okay, I had no idea. 
These pandas make it difficult for themselves, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> but somehow they've still survived. Yeah, so. with, with help from, from people like you, I yeah. guess. Um, we talked just now about Buddha destroying his bamboo. Um, but they, they don't live just on bamboo, do they? Well, over 90% of their diet is, is okay. just bamboo. So they eat bamboo from 10 to up to 30 kilos a day. Really? Yes. Okay. Do you, do, you, do you have to supplement that with anything else? Uh, they eat a little bit of carrots and sometimes apples. And then I make them this uh, so-called panda cake. Okay. <laughs> What's the recipe for your panda cake? Or is it a secret? No, it's not a secret. <laughs> it's actually more like uh, bread, but the Chinese call it panda cake. And the recipe is made in the conservation centers. So we use the same recipe that, the, that they have used to eat in China. So we have rice, soy, and corn flour. Then we have um, eggs, some vegetable oil, and some of the vitamins and uh, minerals that the pandas need. And then I mix it with a little bit of water, and they are about four hours in this um, steam hour. Okay. Hour. Yeah. So I do that about two to three times a week because they eat it about one kilo every day. So you're not, just, you're not just looking after them, you're actually baking for the yeah. pandas. <laughs> it's true, yeah. <laughs> when people learn that you're the, the head panda keeper, what, what sort of things do they ask you? Well, the most normal questions that, that I often get is um, how old are they and what kind of personalities do they have and how much do they weigh um, Buru is now 120 kilos and uh, Lumi is 110, so they're getting a little bit more weight during a few years, but, but the weights are, are quite okay now for the pandas of that age. And then people ask a lot about my work, that what do I do during the day here? That's a good, that's a good question, because that was going to be the next thing that I asked yeah. you. What is your your daily routine, what is their yeah. daily routine? Well, pandas doesn't have that kind of strict routine during the day because um, they get to live here as um, naturally as possible. So we let them choose what they want to do during the day. I come to work usually around eight o'clock in the morning and I check the pandas that they are okay after the night. And then they start to eat a little bit of breakfast. And while they're eating, I'm going to clean the enclosures and make. Where do they sleep? Uh, they, they can sleep in the indoor enclosures and then we have this uh, maintenance room for them downstairs also so they get to sleep. A private bedroom? Yes. Room. Yeah, okay. Just like that. So they're actually eating in their private bedrooms yeah. while I'm eating, uh, cleaning the enclosures. And then I give them a fresh bamboo to the enclosures and uh, of course some carrots and a little bit of cake. And during the daytime, they get to go outside and inside as they want to. And they get to eat as much as they want to and sleep whenever they want to. So people often, when they come here and the pandas are just started to sleep during the day, they're asking me, when are they going to wake up? <laughs> but I have to say to them every time that I don't know, because they get to sleep as long as they want to. And pandas actually sleep quite a lot because they have to digest the bamboo and it has a quite a little bit nutrients so they have to save the energy so they eat a lot of food that has not much nutrition for yes them. it's it's basically the same if we would eat only salad so we right, would eat okay. a lot of it yeah. and save the energy 
And then I also uh, train our pandas with positive reinforcement. Okay. It's the same technique that that a lot of zoos use and what we use for our pets like dogs and, and etc. And I've uh, also used it with the dolphins. I trained dolphins with positive reinforcement and I actually studied quite a lot of it when I started my work with the describe, dolphins. Describe how that, how that looks or, or how that goes when you're doing it with the pandas. Uh, it's basically quite, quite the same as you would be training a dog. Uh, I use a whistle. It's as, it works as a bridge between me and the panda so the panda gets the, hears the voice from the from the whistle when when he has done the right thing uh, every time when they do the right thing and when they do the behavior when what we want they get something good and yes. something great so it depends Buddha loves everything that he can eat of course <laughs> <laughs> so the panda cake and the carrots and apples and stuff like that and Lumi also likes to eat the cake and the carrots but she also likes to play with me okay you know on a different kind of toys and she likes when I rub her ears and stuff like that so we do do that quite a lot basically the things I train to the pandas are something that has um, something to do with their health so for the health check for example I have uh, teach them to give a blood sample voluntarily really yeah so, so they so can give the paw give the hand. yeah wow. they give the paw and I tell them to wait as long as the veterinarian takes the blood sample and yeah. I help the veterinarian and after that they get a lot, lot of cake and carrots and wow I should introduce you to my dog. He's seven years old. I've trained him so badly, <laughs> and just just getting him to sit while I while I walk away would be a good start. But, <laughs> but he's small; it's not quite so uh, important. I can control him mostly. Whereas <laughs> if the panda doesn't do what you're told, that's going to be a difficult yes, difficult to yes. uh, to physically control him. Yeah. And they also know how to go to sit on a scale. They both have their own scales in their bedrooms. So that's how I know how much they weight. Mm. So we do the scale training two or three times a week. So they go sit on it in the morning so I can see their weight and uh, things like that. The whistle thing's interesting because I've seen these dolphin shows yeah. and I've seen the whistle. Yeah. And I didn't realize that that was kind of... It's a signal for the animal. Yeah, letting yeah. them know, like, yeah. like praise, praising them. Yes, basically yes. that you did a you did a good thing. Yes, and then of course they get fish. Yeah, uh, these guys get apples and, and carrots. Yes, it's quite important actually to to try to use the positive reinforcement as as much as we can because with the zoo animals, uh, the old-fashioned style is quite them that you don't train them and you just use the anesthesia mm. every time you have to do something. But nowadays we have learned that it, it helps with pandas and other animals a lot when they do it voluntarily. We don't have to use the drugs or, or anesthesia or we don't have to try to force the animal to cooperate. It's the difference between old, old style zoos and yeah. the, way, the way things are done in the modern Yeah, modern Yeah, I don't think there's quite a lot of old old style zoos anymore in the world because we are really connected between different zoos around the world so I think all of them have started to use more and more 
a positive reinforcement mm. because it's easier for the animals and it reduces the stress and it's easier for the keepers and, and the veterinarians. <laughs> reduces the stress for everybody. Yes, I, yes. I guess. Yeah, I hadn't I hadn't thought about training and then how and also how how close the keeper gets to the to the animals yes. as well. In their in their bedrooms downstairs we have this um this um, cage between us, but it's um, there's quite big. Um, how do you say? A space. Yes, quite big spaces, so that I get to rub them if I want to, and they get to give me the paw and and stuff like that to do that. So we get to interact. Yeah. Interact together. I mean, also because they weren't they weren't babies when they came. No. Here, um, so was there some training that they'd already had or was it you that's decided I'm going now going to do this um, in China I for last year I worked um, two months with these two pandas to get to know them and get to know everything about pandas as a species mm. so, and their natural behavior and, and everything and Puru knew a little bit about giving the paw okay. but um, Lumi was not trained okay. at all so with her I started from scratch so we have done everything together so to speak and is she younger she's a year younger yes right okay so that's the the year difference in the yeah, development and it, well. yeah and it also depends a little bit about the keepers and they have uh, four different conversation centers in China and these pandas are both from a different center ah, so okay. they have a di- little bit of different way to to handle the pandas and it depends on the keepers also it's just it, it, it is just amazing just watching him padding around yeah <laughs> and it must be it must give you such a great feeling every morning to come here and yeah yeah i actually i think i have the best best um friends to work with to be honest they are also usually always on a good mood on the mornings, well, Budring's hungry, so but <laughs> but anyway. If you give him food, he'll be your friend. Yes, in the yes, he'll be anyone's friend who gives him food. Uh, Lumi is more shy. She's the one that really needs her own keeper. She really depends on the on the her own keeper and and the other stranger people. She she doesn't much try to okay. interact. So she's and she's also quite selective about the people that she's willing to work with. Yeah. So she's getting to know you, or she's gotten to know you. She yes. knows the vet. Yeah. Um, Although she doesn't like the vet too much, <laughs> but, <laughs> but but it's normal because the animals know the person who has to take the blood samples yes. and do do the not so nice things. So yeah, human children don't like going to the dentist. Do <laughs> yeah. they? It's the same. It's the same thing. Yes. I guess. Yes. You're, they're doing good. Um, and so you're ordering. Food. Do you, how much did you say they? they eat every day? They eat up to 30 kilos, okay. but we put their, the bamboo about 50 to 60 kilos per panda every day because they are quite selective. So they don't, if we give them a big bundle of, of the bamboo, they don't eat all of them. So they choose the ones that are tasty enough. Yeah. And they have a really, really good sense of smell. Okay. So they smell each of the branches before they start to eat it. So they, they pick up the best ones. I was watching I took a short video of him sort of stripping some of the, the bark away from the yes. and then crunching into the yeah. into the stem. Yes, they eat the inside of the stem. Yeah. Yes. Um, so 
it's your job as well, I guess, to make sure there's always a constant supply of food. Yes, yes, the bamboo comes once a week from Holland. Okay. And I have to order it one week before. So I have to always know which which bamboo species are the ones that they're going to like to eat next week because they change a bit of the species of the bamboo during the... Really? Yes. So different times of the year? Yes. Okay. It's not just, okay, 60, uh, 60 kilos per panda per day, I need this for next week. You yeah. also have to uh, organise the menu for yes, them Yes, well. I have to use the crystal ball because yeah. I have to do it a week, week before. <laughs> so. uh, is it a seasonal thing? It's, the se- it's, it's how a, the season yeah. changes in, in China? Yes, it's so. because they go up and down the mountains and there's different okay. species growing on the colder areas of the mountains and different on the warmer so that's why they change it. And during the summertime, they eat a lot of more the leaves. And during the winter time, they eat more the stem. Okay. So that also changes a little bit. Really, really interesting. What about the apples? Are they so fussy about apples and carrots? Yes. Really? It, it doesn't. It doesn't matter during the year what season do we have. They always like to eat them. Oh, okay. Yeah, they don't need a particular type. <laughs> no, of apple. no. no okay. Pandas love sugar like every bear loves, and they also love honey. But really? Uh, yes, but I cannot give them much honey or sugar because pandas are really sensitive about the okay. their digestion. To the sugar so pandas get diabetes really easily if they get too much sugar okay. on their diet so I have to be quite for for Puru especially I have yeah. to tell him that I'm sorry but you can't have more but just a little a little taste or a little yes. a little something yes interesting I thought it was just Winnie the Pooh that liked to eat honey <laughs> but now you're saying it's actually all all bears yeah who knew um, these two here from China for is it 15 years yes agreement yes Yes, the the first contract is for 15 years but usually almost all of the zoos that has pandas have continued the contract after the 15 years so it's possible for us that the pandas will stay here as long as they live and and how long do they live how you said that Buddha's a teenager yeah he's now five years old right okay and how how old can they live they can live up to 30 years okay. in a human care. And in the wild, it's um, quite difficult to tell the exact. But it's about 20 years in the wild. So. And what if they have babies? The babies also belong to China. Right, okay. Yes, and they will return to China in about two to three years old. Right, okay. And they get to go to these conservation centres. Yes. And hopefully they will get to continue this program where they send the cubs back to the nature so they get to be involved with that program but we'll see see what happens and do you know how many pandas there are in the wild in china now compared to when this conservation was started uh there's now a little bit under two thousand individuals in the wild and it has been increasing during these years quite a lot i think the most critical phase with the pandas as a species was the time when they had over just over a little bit of a thousand okay. individuals in the wild. So the population's doubled. Yeah almost due to the yeah. due to the conservation. Yeah. I don't efforts. I don't remember the exact numbers but mm. it has been increasing a lot. Yeah. And and WWF has done a great work with with this species as well and, and the Chinese government and they have put a lot of effort 
to this and, and they've started the conservation centers and started to really trying to make sure that this species stays vital. So let's let's hope that you have work looking after these pandas yes. in the in the near future. Budo is in and out constantly. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's either sitting just in front of us eating eating or he's outside running running around so he seems very happy yes and especially now when the winter is starting when the snow comes they love to play outside and they love to play with the snow really yes they really do are they throwing snowballs at each other through the through the fence <laughs> no no they don't do that but actually Lumi is uh, gathering the snow and making uh, big snowballs for really? herself and she carries them around and no. she brings them inside and yes and last winter I made snowmen for them, for the outdoor enclosures. Yeah. Of course they eat this, the carrot nose first. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and after that they usually take the head yeah. and play with it because it's like a big ball. Yeah. So yeah. they love to play with it. This is your job. Yes. <laughs> they actually pay me for, yeah, they, for they doing do. the snowmen. Wow. <laughs> long, long, long may it last because it seems like you're really enjoying it and clearly they're, they're thriving. Yeah. In in this uh, in this panda house and in this uh, in this environment. So. Yes, and I am also really happy that I get to work with the conservation project, and I'm really happy that we have the pandas in Finland also for the our next generations because when they come here and they get to see the pandas and they learn about the conversation and and they learn how to protect the environment and to protect different kind of species, I think uh, the world has a brighter future that they would do things even better than we do now. So the pandas are, I call them ambassadors for the conservation for the next generations because they they have a big influence for, to the younger people and for the children when they come here and they see the pandas. They see them live, they don't have to watch them from YouTube. Yeah, so yeah. I've always had a soft spot for pandas when, when I was a small child I had a toy panda yeah. I'm quite sure where he's gone nowadays <laughs> and I feel a bit sad about that but I've always had a, a soft spot for them and it's a real treat to be able to come here talk to, to you and your colleagues about this about this place and actually and actually see Buddha he's, he's off again he's outside yeah. he doesn't sit still for long no he, he's really active <laughs> he loves to go outside and, and his leaves are a lot less during the day yeah. than me but so it's part of the puberty but also, his personality has always been really active. So, Well, hopefully if the listener decides that Atari is somewhere that they can get to, I, all I wish is that you get the performance from Buddha that he's putting on today because <laughs> it's, uh, it's, well it's well worth checking out. Uh, Anna, thank you very much for talking to me. Thank you. It was nice to be here. A big thank you to Anna Palmroof for sharing her stories with me. And thank you for listening to this episode. I hope you found it as interesting as I did. Initially, the Atari Zoo podcast will be a limited series, so be sure to let us know if you enjoy it and if you want more. Whichever episode you're enjoying, please share it on Twitter, Facebook or Instagram. Be sure to tag the zoo at Atari Zoo and me at Explore Finland. And why not use the hashtag Atari Zoo podcast? And while you're doing this, maybe you could tell us where in the world you are. This is going to help us spread the word about this new podcast. It will also demonstrate to everyone at Atarizu that there is an international audience for this show and that we should continue making it. So it's up to you now, listener. If you enjoy the show and you want to show your support, please take a minute to rate and review the show on iTunes or wherever you're listening. It will help us raise the profile of the show. 
And if you're planning to visit Finland, why not schedule a visit to Ahtari Zoo? Visit the website ahtarizoo.fi for travel info, events and attractions and accommodation. And if you do visit, remember, use that hashtag Podcast so we know you're visiting and you've been listening to the show. So until next time, I'm Mark Wiltshire and I look forward to speaking to you on the next episode of the Atari Zoo podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye.